Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Hello Pistons fans and welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. Aaron Johnson joining you here hosting this week. My good friend alongside me, Jasper Apollonia. Jasper, got some good topics today. Got a lot to get into. Got some news to share for our podcast listeners as well. But first off, my friend, how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, it's fantastic to be with you here. On it's Thursday, we're recording. Obviously, this will be out on Friday, but they did it, folks. We did it, Joe. The Pistons finally made their blockbuster trade. Isn't that right, Aaron? They sure did. They sure did. I it's actually pretty similar to what I said on the Palace of Pistons TikTok page when I when I made a TikTok about it. Palace of Pistons is on TikTok, by the way. Now, folks, you can find us at Palace of Pistons. That wasn't the announcement, but we do have a similar announcement. And I will start off with that here first. Uh, Palace of Pistons has kind of gone through a pretty significant change over the last week. If you've been on the website at all, you'll notice that it looks a little different. And that's because Palace of Pistons has converted the website into a substack. And every week we are sending out a weekly newsletter directly to your inbox with Coverage of the Detroit Pistons, whether we're talking about a recent move, a recent trade, recent rumors, and analysis on how a player on the team is playing. It could be a collection of different topics that we're talking about in our newsletter. You'll get one of those to your inbox every single week. You'll get some other stuff uh, as different stories are written and different columns are pieced together. Our podcast will get delivered to your inbox as well every week. So we need you to subscribe to our Substack. I'll have the link. In all of the uh, descriptions, whether you're listening on uh, YouTube or Spotify, Apple, uh, we will have the link to subscribe to the Palace of Pistons Substack everywhere. We really need you guys to go subscribe. We want you to stick around and read all of our content, get to all of our content. We're going to be doing a lot of cool things. Some of those things have already started, the TikTok page. One of them, like I already mentioned, but a lot of cool things happening. We're making some changes in 2024 on how we operate and how we do things. And the Substack is one major way that we are changing Palace of Pistons. So whether you do it right now or you wait until after you you, you finish the show, please go over uh, into the description, find the Substack link, go over, drop your email in. It takes 30 seconds. We'd appreciate it, and we'll continue to bring you the best Pistons coverage on the internet. That was a brilliant plug, Aaron. I, I want to subscribe now. I already did subscribe, but I, I want to do it again. Jasper was one of the first subscribers because he's a real one. It's appreciated. He's going to be bringing some great contact. He already posted a TikTok, too, so hopefully we'll get some more Jasper TikToks. I've been posting in the last few days, but we're I'm not a, I'm not a, like, I'm not a seasoned TikTok guy, so I, I only downloaded it. So I could make these Pistons related TikToks. So I was I was in the boat of I'm never downloading TikTok. I don't want to. I don't have interest in it. But I'm doing it to, for, to bring you Pistons coverage, analysis, and more. So hopefully you guys can go and follow us over there as well. We've got a lot to talk about today. But first, I do want to talk about our always supporting sponsor, Bet Online. With the NFL playoffs continuing and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds news and scores with additional odds lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile. You can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get in the, into the action and see all the updated odds. 
Remember to use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-B, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-B, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so we've got a lot to get into today. I think first things first, let's maybe move back in time a little bit. The Pistons did make a trade. They made the splash move that Jasper mentioned at the top of the show, but they traded with Washington, acquiring Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari from the Wizards in exchange for Marvin Bagley, Isaiah Livers, and a pair of second-round picks. Muscala did play in the game on Wednesday night for Detroit against the Wolves, did not score on four field goal attempts. They had three rebounds, two assists, and two blocks. Danilo Gallinari was active but did not play. I'd imagine he will get some opportunity at some point, but I know he wasn't in the rotation for Washington as of late, hasn't played in a while. I do think at some point we'll see him. But Jasper, I mean, we knew the Pistons were going to be active. We were told they were going to make at least a trade. Uh, what do we think about Troy Weaver's move here to bring in Muscala and Gallinari? Uh, look, first off, let's call it what it is. This is a small move. Uh, Muscala and especially Gallinari are not moving the needle for the Pistons in any meaningful manner. Um, they did open up a, uh, a trade exemption through this trade. I believe it's for $5.2 million. So, that does open up uh, some other avenues for them to acquire players during the trade deadline, which could be significant. We have yet to see how that's going to shake out. Uh, but really, I think what this brings the Pistons is, first off, Isaiah Livers, Marvin Bagley, these were guys that had no future with this team. And, and we said it last week in terms of Isaiah Livers, like, it's over. Uh, it, it's been over. And while Bagley had played better this year than he has in years past, it was just hard to see him staying on this roster. He's played pretty decently. He's been an okay backup center, but he's so redundant when you talk about Jalen Duran and James Wiseman being on the roster. It just didn't make sense to have three guys that basically all do the same thing. So I think what Muscala especially brings, because Honestly, I don't anticipate much of a contribution from Gallinari. He's, what, 34? He's broken down. His play has slipped. Uh, he just is always hurt. So I don't think you're getting very much from him. Probably like a Joe Harris-level contribution. But I do think Muscala brings something different to this center rotation that could help out the Pistons, at least in the short term. Look, he's, he's not some all-world defender, but he's absolutely a defensive upgrade over both Bagley and Wiseman. He can shoot a little bit. Uh, I, I believe he's a career, what, 38% three-point shooter. Uh, the, the Pistons broadcast put it on there last night. He's, he's you know, seventh uh, among active uh, centers, uh, among 6'10 and up guys in terms of three-point percentage. So he is a guy who can stroke it a little bit. You know, not, not going to give you anything huge. And he can pass. And those are things that, especially Wiseman and Bagley, just did not bring to your team. They can't space the floor from outside. Uh, they, they are not really good passers. And defensively, I mean, just watch the games. That's all you really need to know about that. So I, I do think that Muscala brings a little something to this team as a different option in the center rotation. There will definitely still be nights where James Wiseman is the first center off the bench. But from that perspective, in just in terms of like shaking up your your center rotation and also in terms of bringing on a veteran like Mascala has been in the league for what, nine years now? He's been there for a minute. And that is something that I think that the Pistons centers have desperately lacked is that veteran presence. I mean, when Marvin Bagley is 26 years old and he's the oldest guy in that rotation, it's hard to pick up those veteran, you know, those veteran savvy moves, the the little things that help guys improve their game over the course of their careers and during the course of the season. So I like this acquisition. It opens up some flexibility. And again, it just changes up how this roster is going to work. Also means more minutes for Asar Thompson, which 
I think we're going to be in agreement is a good thing as well. I do think it's pretty funny that this is how Marvin Bagley's tenure in Detroit ends. I mean, you look back at when he was acquired two deadlines ago, you know, at the trade deadline, the Pistons gave up Trey Lyles, Josh Jackson, and a pair of second round picks to get Marvin Bagley. Troy Weaver then outbid himself to extend Marvin Bagley long-term. And then a year and a half later, he's trading Marvin Bagley and having to give up picks attached to him just to get off that contract. And to me, I think this trade means a lot more from the standpoint of are the Pistons doing a good job of managing their assets than it does of what it actually means towards the play on the court? Like, yes, Mike Muscala can help you a little bit because he actually has a little bit of defensive instinct. He can maybe shoot the ball a little bit. I don't think you're going to get all that much out of Danilo Gallinari at this point in his career. Uh, To me, it just says the Pistons and Troy Weaver have just not done a good job managing this team's cupboard of assets. You gave up picks to bring in Bagley, and a year and a half later, you're giving up picks to get rid of him during Bagley's best productional season with the team in which you're playing another big who you traded for and gave up a legitimate asset for in Sadiq Bay, who, by the way, is playing very well in Atlanta, but you're playing that center now over Bagley in the rotation. And it just does not look good on Troy Weaver's resume to make this kind of trade. Isaiah Livers is another story, right? A second-round pick, team was very high on him, and they have to trade one of their very few wings on the roster because he he just hasn't cut it and he's not helping this team. And to me, those kind of mistakes that Troy Weaver now has to swallow, you know, on one end, you have to say, okay, at least he's swallowing it. He's moving on. And, you know, he's not tripling down on Marvin Bagley. He's not, you know, making Isaiah Livers play 30 minutes a night anymore in, in a role he's clearly not built for. He's at least moving on. But at the same time, when you see all of these other teams going through a rebuild and you see how all these other teams have allocated their assets and you spend four picks getting and removing Marvin Bagley from the team, it just doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me. And and that's just one player and, and a couple of moves related to one player. There are plenty of other instances that you can look at and Troy Weaver's timeline as the Pistons general manager and say, hey, this wasn't great. This isn't going to be great. And this is just another one of those times. So, you know, for me, I don't really have a ton of feel on, you know, this is going to greatly impact the Pistons on the court. They're still going to be horrifically bad. Uh, Muscala is more of, I guess, a quote-unquote defensive-minded center. But I'm more concerned with, how the assets are being utilized. This is a team that as we get later into the show and we talk about these assets that they have, doesn't seem like they have the number or the the highest high the talent of assets that other teams have and are using to currently better their team. So that's where I'm at with this move. Uh, I thought Bagley was playing well. I didn't hate the way you know, he was being utilized in the rotation at first this year. I thought he was giving you good minutes on offense, was doing a little bit better defensively. And I don't know, maybe those second round picks could could have been better utilized at a later point in time. But uh, Troy Weaver loves moving around second round picks. And this, I guess, goes down as another instance of that. Anything else on this trade that that you want to hit on, Jasper? Yeah, I, I want to agree with you, and I actually think what I'm going to say here kind of links into our next topic, because so much of this actually stems back to one of the very first moves Troy Weaver ever made, which was on draft night in 2020, trading for Isaiah Stewart. 
And a big reason why you acquired Marvin Bagley in the first place was because the Pistons had Stewart on the team. They had Kate Cunningham. Uh, and and at that point, they they still had Killian. You know, they had Killian Hayes running the show, but they had no lob threats. And they quickly realized that Isaiah Stewart at the five could not provide that lob threat in the pick and roll. It's just not the type of player he is, regardless of whether he's paying power forward or center. So in order to acquire Isaiah Stewart, they had to trade their very heavily protected pick, future first rounder in order to acquire him that compounds because you had to then acquire Marvin Bagley to be your rim running threat, which you gave up two additional picks for and Trey Lyles, who by the way is a very important part of the Sacramento Kings rotation. Still you had to give up two second round picks to get that rim threat. Then (laughs) last year you go out and acquire James Wiseman, who is redundant next to Bagley But in order to justify that acquisition, you have to play him, meaning Bagley is now a piece you have to move. Well, because Troy Weaver bid against himself in free agency to give Marvin Bagley $12.5 million a year, you now have to attach more picks to that trade in order to move off of him. Okay, now you have Wiseman, you have Isaiah Stewart, but you also have lost four second round picks because of this. You've given up Trey Lyles and you also now do not have that first round pick, which is with the Knicks because it doesn't convey until 2027 with all the protections on it. So basically what Troy Weaver's done here is give up four first round, four second round picks and cut his knees out from underneath him in terms of his trade assets to make additional moves. Also now he's had to play Isaiah Stewart at the power forward. All of these things just compound on themselves because Troy Weaver didn't have patience. He doesn't have the patience to let things come to him and he doesn't have the savvy to replenish his second round picks. He doesn't have the savvy to move off of players when it's time to. And what ends up happening is that those guys end up either being an onerous contract that you have to attach other second round picks to, or they have no value at all. And you have to let them move in free agency. We will see what happens with Boyan Bogdanovich. We'll see what happens moving forward. But I think the Bagley acquisition is just such a, such a microsm of everything that has gone wrong for this franchise in the last four years of this rebuild. It's really like stunning when you follow these threads back to their origin to just see how badly it's all been mismanaged. And and that's not us saying this like, oh, we're so smart, you know, Troy Weaver's so dumb. No, this this stuff is just like it, it's basic asset management. And it's something that an NBA GM, a front office, has to have a better hold on, and they simply don't. So I think this is probably a good time for us to transition into our second topic, since we're talking about the Pistons not having their first rounder for the next year, two years, to be able to play with in trades, unless, of course, they make another trade with the New York Knicks to get that pick back, which would require them probably taking on salary and sending out assets in return. Yeah, it is It is a good opportunity here to, to move forward, because this is... In our second topic, we're going to do a little exercise as other teams around the league start making trades, start moving assets, start compiling assets. I think it's a good opportunity to look at where the Pistons stand with their assets. The trade deadline is three weeks away. Thursday, February 8th is when the deadline is. Pistons are expected to remain active in trade talks over these next three weeks, and they've been mentioned in a with they've been mentioned as a team interested in a slew of players including guys like Zach Levine and DeJounte Murray but there have been plenty of others as well even you know some of those lower mid-tier names uh Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal from the Brooklyn Nets they've been attached to a lot of different players as they are obviously trying to improve this roster and so what I want to do here 
and, and this conversation can go where it goes, but I wanted to look at the Pistons assets that they have on the roster. I think for this exercise, it's important to, I think we'll just leave out Kate Cunningham and Jalen Duran because they're just not getting moved right now. There's, there's no talk. There's no speculation. There's no rumors. There's no nothing. Those guys are pretty much off the table. Uh, they're not being used in trade talks from anything that we know. It would be completely shocking for either of them to get moved on their rookie contracts in the middle of the season. So we are not in co- going to include them in this discussion moving forward. Uh, let's also keep in mind that that first round pick that uh, is owed to the Knicks right now makes it impossible for Detroit to use their 2024 first round pick as an asset until it officially does not convey uh, at the end of this season in the draft lottery. Uh, it is protected, a top 18 protected first round pick. So the Pistons will have their 2024 first round pick this year, obviously. Uh, they're just not able to trade it right now because it is still owed to the Knicks and it is owed through 2027. So if it doesn't convey uh, as a first round pick in 2027, it will then convey as a second round pick in 2027. But the the pr- protections are 1 through 18 in 2024. It's protected 1 through 13 in 2025, 1 through 11 in 2026, and 1 through 9 in 2027. So if you're the Pistons, you probably hope that that first round pick does convey here at some point, but it will not be this year. So we're not talking about the Pistons first round pick as an asset uh, from now until 2027. The first eligible first round pick that the Pistons are able to trade right now is their 2028 first round pick. And then we're also, like I said, we're not having Duran in this conversation and we're keeping Kate Cunningham out of the conversation. Jasper, who is your top asset, player or pick, that is a part of the Pistons organization right now? Well, this guy makes the answer very easy after his performance last night. I think it's got to be Jaden Ivey. Um, you, you saw it against the Timberwolves. You know, people go, oh, that was a close game. No, they did not look like they were going to win that game at any point. But Jaden Ivey was absolutely a bright spot. And if they had any chance at winning that game, it was all because of him. Uh, you know, since since the Pistons have lost Cade Cunningham uh, for seven to ten days, who, who knows? At this point, we haven't gotten a reevaluation on him. Jaden Ivey has just been awesome. 32 points against the Timberwolves last night, 24 against the Wizards, 18 against the Rockets, 19 against the Spurs, and 22 points against the Kings. He's been passing the ball quite well, uh, not too many turnovers. He's had some outstanding defensive possessions as well. Uh, there was two last night, particularly against Carl Anthony Towns, and once one against Anthony Edwards that were genuinely eye-popping. They were outstanding isolation defensive plays. I think that he has to be the number one guy there. And and while this might come across as odd because he's maybe not the first guy that I would say no to trading, I think that would be a Sar Thompson just because the Pistons' wings are in such rough shape. I think Ivy has to be that number one trade asset. He has to be your number one um your number one piece that if you're trying to make a move for a star, that is the big kahuna for the Pistons. Um, You know, if he doesn't get moved, I think what he's showing right now is that when Cade Cunningham does return to the lineup, there has to be a shift in how these ball handling duties are, are carried out. I'm not saying put Cade off ball and have Jaden Ivey run the offense full time. That's not what I'm saying at all, but there has to be more, you know, drive to get him in a position to where he can play his game where he's able to get into the rim and create for himself and for others. So my answer, Aaron, is Jaden I. I'm actually surprised. I thought we were going to be in disagreement on this. I thought your pick was going to be a Sar Thompson. I agree with you. I think it's Jaden Ivey. I think he has the most potential out of any asset on this Pistons roster from the eligible pool of assets that we're talking about. I think the game against Minnesota was just a a nod to that. I mean, he looked like a star in that game. The type of shots he was taking, the way he commanded the ball, 
he looked all the part and then some. And I get that NBA wings are so, so, so incredibly valuable. And I and I understand that helping make Asar Thompson's case for this. Um, but I have him second on the list. I, I'm just not as high on Asar Thompson as I am Jaden Ivey because I think Ivey has the superstar flashes. And I think Thompson has a very, very, very long way to go in his player development. Thompson has some really good defensive flashes, but the offensive part of his game, the, the shooting, the ball handling, the passing, uh, the decision-making, uh, being able to, to play in functional NBA lineups, we haven't really seen it yet. I, the, the scoring at the rim comes in glimpses, but – and, and it's not all his fault. He's a rookie playing on a very bad team that isn't very well optimized. But we just haven't seen him find a way to become a valuable NBA contributor on the offensive side of the court yet. Uh, there's just a lot that has to happen to Thompson's game that, that gets him out of that, you know, just what he is right now, good defender. He has to be able to do more than defend and do so consistently. And... I just in a in an off season, you know, we could turn around next year and Asar could come back and be shooting, you know, thirty three percent from the three point line, thirty four percent from the three point line, and it can things can keep getting better. He can look more comfortable with the ball in his hands. And by year three, year four, if Thompson is shooting thirty five percent from the three point line, you know, we might be looking back and saying, okay, he's made all those improvements that we 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 talked about, and this is a silly conversation because he's a really good player now, but. I just think the pathway is is a lot more difficult for him. It's going to be very hard for him to take the the leap as a shooter because it is just so broken right now. There's there's just no confidence in the shot. The the, the form is just very off putting. There's a lot of work that needs to go into to remaking, rebuilding, and finding consistency with his jump shot. Not just as a, a three point shooter, but even in the mid range. Like you know him being able to hit 16, 18 footers. You know would be as helpful as him being able to hit three-pointers. So I just think there's a lot of room to grow in a Stars game, and he obviously has very high potential. But the pathway to getting there, I think, is a little bit more difficult for me to see than I see with Jaden Ivey and the performances that he's had, not just this year, but but last year as well. So I do agree. I do have Tom, uh, Ivey at one. I was surprised we agreed on that. But I do have Thompson at two, and I'm, I'm going to imagine we're in lockstep there. Yeah, and, and to be clear, like, Look, I, I have Jaden Ivey as one just because I think if I'm an opposing team's GM, I look at what both those guys are doing right now and I go, look, if I'm going to make a trade, if I'm going to stake my reputation on one of these players, I'm going to go for Jaden Ivey, uh, 100%. And I just don't think, like, if you're the Pistons as well, the return you're going to get on Thompson versus what his potential is, as opposed to Jaden Ivey, I just have a hard I'm seeing that be worthwhile for Detroit. That's why I have to put Ivy at one. But look, I honestly am in the boat of like, I don't think the Pistons are in a position to where they can be trading away somebody like Asar. I just think there's too much potential there. I think there's too much talent. I think there's such a lack of, of talent on the, on the roster in regards to wings as well to where that's just not, guy i feel like i can really trade unless i'm getting something extremely appealing back in return and i have a hard time seeing that happen so that's really the number one reason why i'm saying ivy as my answer but who would i rather trade i actually would say it would be ivy over asar so perhaps we're not quite in lockstep on that uh, asar thompson's a guy that just until he gets an, a real full offseason under his belt after this year, I, I need to see it. I need to see it before I start going, okay, you know, let's see what we can get in return for this guy. You know, maybe I'll be willing to look silly then. But as of right now, I just, uh, if he develops like any sort of a jumper, if he improves his decision-making skills just a little bit, I just think the sky is the limit for that kid. And frankly, you know, NBA lead guards, secondary guards are far easier to replace 
than those, you know, elite defensive wings are. It's just the reality of the league we're in right now. Um, and, and some of the guys that the Pistons are being linked to, I think, kind of prove that point. Like Zach Levine is a incredibly good scoring guard, and the Bulls are just doing everything in their power to offload him for whatever they can. DeJounte Murray, I mean, that's a guy that commanded four first-round picks just two years ago in a trade, and now the Atlanta Hawks seem to be totally willing to move off of him. Uh, it's just the kind of league we're in. I think for me, though, you know, Jaden Ivey, just the talent, like what you're seeing right now. I was watching the game last night with the Timberwolves broadcast, and <laughs> their announcers were just losing their minds over some of the plays he was making. That's how impressive he was. I mean, the play where it started on the defensive end and he guarded Anthony Edwards to the rim, blocked the shot, then trailed the floor. It was actually a star who found him for the trailing three, but Ivy just, you know, came down the floor didn't have the ball in his hands. Didn't matter. Got to an open spot, got the ball, knocked on the three. It was like the defensive possession defense to offense for him, as well as some of the finishes that he had. I mean, tough shot over Rudy Gobert inside at a high, at a couple of high arcing shots off the backboard. Like, I, I just he looks like a he he looks the part. He looks like he the all-star that you know, maybe he's not an all-star right now, but he looks like the kid with all-star potential that we talked about as that's why you have to take him, this all-star potential, the all-star upside. That's the guy we talked about before the Pistons drafted him. It's some of the guy that we saw in his rookie year. And so for me, that's why it, it it's it'd be really hard to look at the rest of the guys on this roster or the picks that the Pistons actually have available to trade and say any of those are more valuable than Ivy just because to me, I think his upside is, is, is clearly ahead of, of everyone, Asar Thompson included. I think it's also very, very like interesting to look at the strides he's made in his game on both ends of the floor. Like I think he's improved in terms of using his, you know, slow down his, his change of pace offensively. You know, his ability to just like speed up the floor and then slow it down for a second like he's going to pull the ball out and then, boom, go straight to the basket. I think he's improved so much on that from last year, just playing a little bit more under control. Uh, defensively, like we said, he had some outstanding plays last night. Yeah, yeah, like you said, Aaron, that one on Carl Anthony Towns stood out, the one where he just bodied up Anthony Edwards, which is very difficult to do for anybody in this league. Uh, that was also quite eye-popping. I, I thought it was really, really impressive. Just something you didn't see from him last year. So seeing the improvements he's made this year, and then also looking at the places where he still can grow as a passer, um, as a defender, I think that, yeah, the sky is far higher than where he's at right now, and he's already playing at a pretty high level. So no question, if I'm an opposing GM, I would be looking at Jaden Ivey as the guy who is going to be the centerpiece of any return I'm getting for an outgoing player to the Pistons. I'm not sure if we're going to be in agreement on who we have at three here, but I'll go first and I'll say mine is, is Boyan Bogdanovich. I think he can get you a first round pick in the market right now. Uh, he can, his salary is, is very, very friendly to use in a, a trade that let's say the Pistons do go get, DeJounte Murray, you know, Bogdanovich's salary works in a deal like that. It's just a very friendly contract, easy to use in trade negotiations. If the Pistons are trying to go get uh, a bigger piece, a bigger contract type of guy. But I, I just think his value is there as well. Like teams value Bogdanovich. They have valued Bogdanovich ever since the Pistons got him. I think it's funny how the Pistons got him for nothing. And then we spent the entire next season up until this point, talking about how much teams value him, how much teams want him, and the price that the Pistons have on him, that at one point was two first-round picks. And maybe it's not as high now, but I still think you get a first-round pick for for Boyan Bogdanovich. He's, he can be used in a bigger deal. Obviously, he's still playing at a level that shows he can contribute and really help the team, whether it's a young rebuilding team like the Pistons or more likely uh, and down the line here, a team that is uh, in the playoffs, trying to win a championship, but he is an easy type of plug-in, plug-and-play player. There's not really a worry about, oh, does he fit with this team? Like, he's a 20-point-per-game scorer that can shoot 40% from the three-point line. Yes, he fits with your team. So I do have Bogdanovich ranked third. 
I'm not sure if we agree here. I know there's another name that I'm sure some people value higher, uh, but I have been very adamant in my thoughts on him as a player. So I am comfortable putting Bogdanovich here, and I'm not too worried about placing anyone else that's still available ahead of him in this ranking. I also would have Bogdanovich at third. And a part of that comes down to contracts. Uh, there is the other guy. And I think the the other guy you were thinking of is the same one I'm thinking of, Isaiah Stewart. Um, I think that Stewart could, under the right circumstances, have more value to a rebuilding team than Bogdanovich would. However, Bogdanovich is simply going to have more suitors because there's a lot of good teams in the NBA this year. Uh, when you just look around the league, like there's so many teams that could use shooting, uh, so many teams that are fighting for a playoff spot, for a division spot, whatever it might be, a uh, play-in spot. I think that Bogdanovich just has more widespread value. Also, one of the things you have to take into account is that his salary is expiring at the end of this season. So for a guy that's going to be 35 next year, um, there's definitely a little bit more incentive if you're a team that's shooting for something and you don't quite get there and you trade for Bogdanovich, well, that's okay. I got $20 million coming off my cap next year. I can go ahead and either bring him back for a lower price or try and bring in somebody else in the off seasons. I think that's very appealing to a lot of teams, especially ones that are in that, you know, kind of maybe not title contention, but trying to get there. Whereas Stewart, as we know, has a four-year, $15 million per year uh, contract kicking in after the end of this season since the Pistons extended him. So if you're a young, rebuilding team, I think that perhaps Stewart actually has more value to you because Bogdanovich is not a player that's going to be there on there long. If you really like Stewart, he's a guy that you then have under contract for the next four seasons. If you really believe in him, uh, whether it's a, as a power forward or a center, I think he could be a potentially more appealing piece. But just because of the reality of the contracts and where the majority of the teams in this league are in terms of contending for a play-in spot, playoff spot, yes, Bogdanovich has to be third. But it's far more situational than saying Asar versus Jaden Ivey. Um, I do think that there are certain teams that Isaiah Stewart actually would be a more appealing asset for. For me, and, and I agree, I, I agree that it that I have that I have Stewart next at four. Um, it's just my belief in Stewart, right? What do you see for him down the line? He's already extended and locked up, so you're committed to him for the next four years after this one. And and what is he worth at sixteen million dollars a year? To me, I see he's a high-energy backup big, has not shown that he can really space the floor that, like, yes, he can hit 33% of his wide-open threes, but that's not really a legitimate floor spacer, as we've seen this year, if you're watching these games. I like the energy that he brings. I like the toughness that he brings. He, you know, he plays physical. You appreciate those kinds of things, but that's a kind of guy that... It, like on the Boston Celtics, someone with that type of grit, someone with that type of toughness coming off the bench and giving you 14, 18, 20 minutes off the bench a night looks a lot better than him starting at power forward for a team that needs to be better spaced around their point guard and their shooting guard and playing 35 minutes a night and chucking up seven threes and making one or two and so for me, that's why I devalue Stewart in this case. I, I, You know, he does some good things, but I think the way that he's been utilized in Detroit has diminished his value. It's like I almost feel like his value during his rookie season when we were hearing about all these teams interested in him and trying to get him from Detroit, I almost feel like his value was probably higher back then than it is now just because – I don't feel like there's been a whole ton of development in his game and the Pistons have honestly made him less valuable because of the way that they've used him and he hasn't had a great amount of success in his role. So I do have Stewart for there. Is there anything else you want to add on Stewart uh, as we, I think we've only got what one, one or two, one player really left and then you can move into the picks that Detroit has way down. Yeah. I, I, I want to agree with you on that point. Like, I think the utilization of Stewart has definitely 
impacted his value. Um, you know, I, yeah, ironically, like them paying him and then playing him starters minutes, I think has actually hurt him in a lot of ways. You know, you're just seeing things from him that you haven't seen in years past, like jogging down the floor defensively, um, not contesting at the rim nearly as much. He's never been a great shot blocker, but I mean, he's putting up half the amount of blocks per game as he did his rookie year while playing nine more minutes per game. Like that's, that's pretty stark. Uh, you're seeing the defensive impact and especially his ability to maintain that defensive impact over time really be diminished. I think by him playing too many minutes because he is a high energy player. So yeah, I totally agree. Like if you're a team that needs a defensive anchor off the bench, a guy that you're going to play 18 to 24 minutes a night, I think Isaiah Stewart has a lot of appeal to you. You look at him and you go, look, if we can just cut down his minutes a little bit. He's going to be able to give us way more consistent effort on both ends of the floor. And I definitely think that that is something that could help him as well. I mean, look, shoot, his rebounding numbers even. He averages more rebounds per game, but he's averaging half uh, half an offensive rebound per game less than he did as a rookie those are just aspects of his game that I think have been affected by the amount of minutes he's playing and where he's being asked to play on the floor. If you change that up for a different team, if I'm an opposing GM and I say, look, I, I think I can get more out of him by playing him less. I think he has a lot more appeal in that aspect. So, uh, you know, if I'm a team, especially that I'm like, look, I, I have my shooters already. I think Boston was a great example of that. They don't really need a player like Bogdanovich, but they sure could use a player like Stewart on the roster. So there, there will definitely be certain teams that he's more appealing to uh, in a better situation, but you're totally right. I think the Pistons have unfortunately cratered his value in a lot of ways by playing him too much and giving him that four-year extension before the season, before he even played a single minute as the starting power forward for the squad. So we're down to really our last player, Alec Burks, and the Pistons' next movable first-round pick. The next first-round pick they can trade is five drafts away, 2028. What's more valuable, a first-round pick that is five drafts away or Alec Burks who's playing out of his freaking mind right now? It's got to be Burks. I mean, a 2028 first-rounder. I, I remember when we were talking like last year about uh, the Lakers trying to acquire Bogdanovich for like a 2027 and 2029 first round pick. And I'm like, that that is just not appealing if you're a GM at all, because you have no idea if you're ever even going to be able to use that pick. Um, the NBA just moves way too fast. You don't know where teams are going to be in four or five years. It's it's, in my opinion, too much of a gamble if I'm an opposing GM. Um so I think it's got to be Alec Burks because you can actually get something for him right now. And one of the players, one of the players, one of the teams that he's linked to is the New York Knicks. Uh, that is a team that I think the Pistons absolutely should be shopping him to. Look, if you can take on the rest of Evan Fournier's salary for this year, um, perhaps you attach something else and get yourself back a Quentin Grimes, which would be, in my opinion, a really nice acquisition for Detroit moving forward. I think he's a really, really solid perimeter defender. Uh, can shoot the three as well. Uh, that would definitely be something I would be interested in for a team that kind of wants to get rid of him and, and needs a little bit more perimeter scoring uh, when Jalen Brunson's not on the floor. Absolutely, I would be looking at something like that because if you can get your first-round pick back, which I think Burks possibly could get you, for this year, if the Knicks don't want to be messing around with these protections for the next four seasons, Alec Burks would be a player as a veteran, as a proven role player in this league. He is a player I think absolutely has more value uh, than a 2028 first round pick. I agree. I agree completely. And I like where your head's at. I think it's it makes all the sense in the world for the Pistons to, to try to work something out with the Knicks whether it's to get that 2024 first back so that they have it for uh, future flexibility in the trade market, whether it's to get Grimes back. 
I know some people have thrown out the idea of trading for Julius Randle. I don't think the Knicks are, are moving him now with the way that they're playing. I know there was talks about moving Julius Randle earlier on in the season, but the Knicks have been playing a lot better lately, especially since they acquired OG and Anubi. And I think they're going to continue to try to improve the team. I think trading off of Julius Randle would be a step in the wrong direction for them unless they have a major, major star acquisition lined up. Julius Randle's really freaking good. I know he's not always the easiest player on the ice to watch, but the production that he puts up, the minutes that he can play, the durability that he has, all very valuable things. But I do think that the Pistons should be trying to get that first back from New York. They can take on the Evan Fournier contract, like you mentioned. I'd be all in on getting a guy like Quentin Grimes. So if the Knicks want Bogdanovich, who they've been linked to, if the Knicks want Burks, uh, another guy that they've been linked to, like there's a deal to be made with Detroit. And I know there's a lot of names that teams have, that the Pistons have been linked to from other teams. Burks and Bogdanovich, probably the the most, uh, the biggest names teams have really been connected to on the Pistons side. But there's there's definitely moves to be made. And I thought it was worthwhile going through this exercise because, uh, yes, Burks and Bogdanovich are the biggest, or are, excuse me, the, the most prominent names moved, talked about uh, in the trade market. But the Pistons could use a guy like Jaden Ivey in a trade. Like, if the Pistons traded for DeJounte Murray, you kind of have to imagine Jaden Ivey's involved in that deal. I mean, Murray's a guard, and you're not trading Kate Cunningham. You have Kate Cunningham, so you'd be trading uh, for DeJounte Murray to play him alongside Kate Cunningham. You'd have to imagine they'd be trading Jaden Ivey at, in, that type, in that trade, whether he's going to Atlanta or he's going to a third team in the deal. So I thought it was important to go through this exercise because we really don't know what the Pistons are going to do over these next three weeks. Or in the offseason, we just know that they have to do something, and Troy Weaver needs to do it soon if he's going to continue to be the general manager of the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, I'm still of the belief that there is another trade coming. It just seems impossible that after the the sell the team chance and Tom Gorris letter and all that stuff, uh, you know, philanthropist Tom uh, doing his, his great work for the community, I just... It seems almost impossible that the only trade the Pistons would make would be for Danilo Gallinari's corpse and Mike Muscala. Like that just, that's not going to cut it. And I am sure the front office feels the same way. So yeah, I think a, a big part of, you know, whether they're, how, how big that trade is, is going to come down to like, if they can get DeJounte Murray, if they can get Zach Levine, I'll be honest, I don't think they're interested in Levine and I'm happy to hear that I do think the the Murray stuff there's a lot more you know there's there's some fire hiding underneath all that smoke there there's got to be something there so I think you know Bogdanovich Burks however they're traded um, I think that will kind of come down to whether a DeJounte Murray trade comes to fruition or not if not I would not be surprised to see something like this throughout there in terms of a potential Knicks trade being the case. I think that, you know, one of those two things is going to happen. I don't think that both will happen. I'll say that. I, you know, I said it last week when Mike did his buy or sell. I think there's going to be two trades. Um, one of them is going to be that smaller one. And then I think there's probably going to be a bigger one as well. But it'll be really interesting to see how this front office navigates that because as our listeners know, we don't have a whole ton of faith in them to get it done in a way that that feels like an equitable return. Yeah. Three weeks to, to make some, some big moves. I don't know how the Pistons get it done. And like you said, I don't know if the guys in charge right now are the ones that should be making those decisions considering how everything has gone through this rebuild, but three weeks again until the trade deadline, I'm sure we will see the Pistons make at least one more move. Uh, with the roster before the deadline passes. We know they're active in talks, but Jasper, anything else you want to mention before we wrap up this week's show? Yeah, I'll just say, I think if a DeJounte Murray trade does happen, what I'm going to throw out there as as being the package I think Detroit will give back to Atlanta, I think it'll be Bogdanovich, it will be James Wiseman, and Jaden Ivey for DeJounte Murray and Clint Capella. That's my official guess. So let's let's see if anything happens 
uh, before next week. I would imagine it's not going to happen up until the trade deadline. Uh, Atlanta seems pretty motivated to get off of Murray, and they're going to do everything they can to get the best return possible for him. Um, yeah, you know, may maybe if they do make a third trade, maybe the move you want to make is one to get back your first rounder from the Knicks. If you do that, maybe it changes up the the equation a little bit in terms of a potential Hawks deal. Is there a way to make that a three team trade so that the Knicks take on Capella? and the Pistons take on Fournier, and the Pistons get their first back. I'm just thinking out loud as you say that, because it's not that I dislike Clint Capella, but they're not going to start Clint Capella and, and Jalen Duran together. I can't imagine they're going to bring in Capella to bring Duran off the bench, and I'm also not sure Clint Capella is the type of, or should come off the bench. Like He's still a valuable player, and he posts good numbers and does some good things. I'm just trying to think, does it make sense for New York uh, with Mitchell Robinson not right now, but I don't know. There's a lot. I was going to say, there. I, Isaiah Hart. I, I think it well for them. I'm sorry, Aaron. I'm talking over you. My apologies. <laughs> uh, I think it comes down to whether they think like Mitchell Robinson's coming back by the playoffs. Right. And I think, well, I, I remember the Knicks didn't get the disabled player exception because there's optimism. He could be back by the playoffs, but we'll see. You, you don't know. And, then if you have Capella and you have Robinson and you have sign like one of those guys is out of the rotation and there's a decent amount of money committed to them. I don't know. Just talking out loud there. I'm just thinking about what you threw out there. And I don't know. I do think there's a possibility that DeJounte Murray is a piston. I'm curious how that package breaks down. Another name I think you could see involved in that deal is DeAndre Hunter and his contract. A guy that I looked at yesterday and saw, he misses a lot of games. He has not lived up to... Uh, the draft pick that was spent on him after a good career at Virginia where he projected as a really solid 3 and D guy. He just has not lived up to that yet. But all of that conversation, we've got plenty of time to continue our talk about trade hypotheticals. We've got a couple more podcasts to go until the trade deadline. So we will have plenty of more talk and analysis and speculation for you on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Before we go, I do, again, want to highly, highly, highly encourage you and implore you to go subscribe to the Palace of Pistons Substack. The link to our Substack to subscribe is in the description of where you are watching or listening to this show. You can also find it on our X account. Follow us on X. Follow us on Instagram at Palace Pistons. Follow us on TikTok at Palace of Pistons. We are trying to do some new things in 2024, need all the support we can get, and want to continue to bring you great, 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 great Pistons coverage. So we, again, appreciate everyone tuning in this week. This has been another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. Again, use our promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with Bet Online. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you guys next week on another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.